Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. This week we got a more casual feel to the podcast. Uh, usually we record like super early in the morning, like 11 a.m. And so Noah and I are both pretty tired at that time. This time we're doing Saturday night, drinks are flowing, it's good vibes. <laughs> so Halloween night too, it's Halloween. Halloween night too, uh, happy Halloween to everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you dress up this year, Noah? I to a certain extent, I'm uh, I'm currently rocking my uh, Jean Marat uh, Vancouver Grizzlies jersey, which uh, I'm very proud of. Uh, shout out to Jared, Braden, Adam, and Jacob for getting me this jersey. Huge, huge fire up! Thank you very much, fellas. Classic, classic. What about you? Any any costume? Well, um. This year, uh, I usually do what I always do. I kind of, you know, I have like, uh, you know, thick black hair and I wear round glasses. So I guess you could say Harry Potter. <laughs> um, it's close enough. Close enough, yes. You Maybe need like, the scar, though. Like, where's the scar? The scar, you can't see it. It's kind of rubbed off, but... Yeah, maybe like a more casual North American Harry Potter, I'd say, is my costume this year. All right, all right. Like a, um, a, a modernist approach to Harry yeah. Potter. I like it. Like, typically, usually I go is, uh, you know the movie Up? Of course I know the Oh, yes! So, typically I go as Russell from Up. <laughs> uh, if you ever seen the movie, I bear a strong resemblance to the character. More than strong. It's striking. Like... It's it's unbelievable. You're just you're just way taller. Way taller. Yeah, now way I am. Way taller. Way taller. So that's usually my go-to. This year, mix it up. We didn't really do much. Uh, just kind of hanging out uh, at home, staying safe, uh, and just having a good time. Drinks are flowing. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Noah? So I've already. Uh, uh, I was at the pub earlier with a few, a few, a few guys from my program. Um, I had some sort of cider. I can't remember what it was, but it was good. Then I indulged myself with a six pack of Miller Lite, and now we're on a uh, mix of my own concoction, basically of what I had left, which is um, I I, uh, I have apple juice, which is the only mix I have, and triple sec, which was. Uh, kindly donated by my grandmother without her without her knowledge so huge well, shout out to that yeah very kind donation very kind donation on this end we just got rum and cokes keeping it simple yeah yeah why classic mess with, why mess with a good thing right classic classic um so we got a bunch of those um so this week not a bit of a little bit of panthers news out there this week which is always exciting yep yep two two pieces of news actually Two two pieces of news. First, uh, 
first up, uh, the NHL uh, released their statement that uh, they found no conclusive evidence uh, in the allegations against former Panthers GM Dale Talon. Um, couldn't corroborate the stories, and that kind of concludes their investigation into that. Isn't that a turn of events, huh? Yeah, it's it's. You know, I I don't know. I'd almost like this. This happened quite a while ago. That this like story came out, and so you kind of slipped your mind. Like so much other stuff has gone on since then. That you you, you kind of forget about it. I but. I kind of forgot about it to be honest. From my part, I I I saw it in the news and I was like, oh right right that's that, that was a thing. So I mean I, I feel like a, a story like that too. It can be very difficult to to find really conclusive proofs of evidence, a lot of kind of hearsay uh, and stuff like that. So um, we don't know whether the incident did occur. It didn't. All we know is that uh, they haven't found anything. And that kind of is the end of that. And, uh, you know, I guess people will move on from there. The other piece of Panthers news this week was uh, team Canada uh, or hockey Canada released their, uh, invites to their world junior camp and one of the names included is Florida Panthers draft pick Cole Schwint were you surprised to see him on the list Uh, yes and no like I'm really happy to see a Florida guy like Florida draft pick on there um but I was surprised in the sense that Canada's roster looks stacked in terms of just potential NHLers that might actually join the team. Yeah, I, I think uh, Schwint would have a very difficult time making this team um, as it stands, just purely based on the, the number of quality players that are there, players that typically wouldn't be available to them in a normal season. Right. Um, so that kind of changes things a bit, but it is nice to see a guy like that who isn't an early draft pick, uh, you know, get an invite to the camp, I think shows that they think quite highly of him as a player. I know his numbers don't maybe jump off the page, um, but they believe in what he can do and his two-way ability. So that is nice to see for the, for the Panthers and for, for him. Very nice, and I, I'm I'm not really familiar with uh, the depth chart of Hockey Canada, who they invited uh, in terms of right wings, which is kind of Cole Schwint's um, default spot, positions. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. It it's Hockey Canada. The the camp always is like they pick the best guys that'll work the best together. And I, I think that's what it comes down to. So I, I'm not out. I'm not like taking out the possibility that he makes the team, but I, I would indeed be surprised. Yeah, I think the thing we see a lot with uh, with Team Canada is that they will they don't always take maybe the most highly skilled offensive guys um, to these camps just because typically they like to have at least one line that is reliable two ways um, manages the puck well. And I think that's kind of the role they would envision should Cole Schwint make the team. He's also one of the uh, bigger players invited to the camp. He's six foot three, um, had a really good year last year. 
Um, so like, I, I would be surprised to see him make it, but I understand why he was invited. And I think he definitely could fit a certain niche role for the, for this team. Oh, 100%. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what the logistics of the camp are. Um, I, pretty much what I've heard is they're, they're just going to bubble the, the, the kids up in, in Calgary, I think, it, around the uh, Hockey Canada facility and kind of go from there but um who knows it's 2020 exactly you never know how things are going to shape up um one of the other names there with team canada that drew uh, a bit of attention there was shane wright getting the invite uh draft eligible in 2022 had a monstrous year uh in the ohl this year um what are your thoughts on this invite and I think it's absolutely insane just to think about the fact that he's draft eligible, not next year, but the year after. Yeah. Like this guy isn't even eligible this year. No. And he's already been playing in the UHL for a year. Exceptional kid. Um, Definitely has the talent. Let's see. Um, who, uh, remind me, I think uh, the Ottawa coach is uh, yes, coaching uh, Andre Bouvigny, right? Sure, yeah, I, that was excellent pronunciation. I would have butchered that. <laughs> Andre Tourigny. Yeah, um, like Andre Torgan. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my guess is my guess is is his English is better than uh, Dominic Ducharme's. Uh, hopefully. Yeah, yeah we remember uh, a couple of years ago, they had the camp down here in Niagara. Noah and I went, we were watching uh, the, the selection camp, watching them uh, practice. And you're looking at Dominic Ducharme, you know, instructing these players. And they looked absolutely lost. And we, almost, <laughs> and we, we could hear them too. And we were lost completely. And they're going around and they're butchering the drills and that no one knows what's going on. And um, they actually went on to not do very well that year. No, they did pretty well. They lost on the Comtois penalty shot. Oh, is that the Comtois year? I thought that was the Buffalo year. Oh, it might have been the Buffalo year. That was Victor Mede's year. So they did. They I, I remember Victor Mede was the only NHLer. Um, they they won they 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 won it in Buffalo that year. Okay, so um, it didn't make a difference. It was uh, Maxim Comtois' year was um, what's his face? Who was coaching? I hated him. Hunter. Tim Hunter, right? Hunter coached last year. Yeah, yeah, but that was um, my, that was uh, that was the London Knights Hunter. Yeah, so it didn't go well. Um, that was um, I don't know. Braden worked for them, uh, but uh, it was another Hunter, it, not related, but Mark Hunter, Dale Hunter. There's a lot of them. Tim. Hunter. Tim Hunter. Yeah, yeah, I got oh, it right. Go. It was Tim Hunter. Tim Hunter, who was coaching in when the tournament was in Vancouver slash Victoria. Right. And was just not able to adapt his play style through the tournament, which was invigoratingly frustrating as a fan. Yeah. Like, tremendously frustrating. But but coming coming back to the, the point is Dominic Ducharme's English was just astonishingly astonishingly terrible and 
as a French speaker, I can confirm that his French is not any better. So I'm not sure what his primary language is. It's a it's a it's a mystery for sure. And I mean, and this year, like World Juniors coming up, obviously exciting. So there's so much uncertainty around a lot of uh, junior hockey leagues and things like that, which we'll get into later. Um, but it is shaping up like we will get to see uh, some Florida Panther draft picks at the tournament. So very exciting. Uh, I, and- I, I'm excited to see. Is uh, Denisenko? I believe Denisenko is uh, no longer eligible. No longer eligible. Okay. Could be he wrong. was captain. He was captain. captain so last I year. assume he's not eligible anymore. Yeah, so this, this year the kind of focus will definitely be on Anton Lindell in, in Finland. They look like they're going to have a fairly young team right? Uh, with uh, the Raddy brothers. So we'll see how that goes. Um, right, he's right. Still having a monster year over there in, uh, in Liga. Um, but our kind of uh, our, our main topic this week, Noah, is the one that has been kind of the topic of the conversation. Uh, around the league for the last week or so, which was the story around uh, Mitchell Miller, the Arizona Coyotes draft pick, their first pick in this year's draft, fourth round. Um, Story comes out that uh, he had, I don't want to call it bullied. I don't want to say bullied because I think it's too nice of a word. Like it was fairly (laughs) extreme what what had gone on, the story of of what he did to – uh, Isaiah, right? That's his Isaiah, name? Yeah, Isaiah. Uh, black kid with a disability. Um, instances, one in particular, of uh, rubbing a piece of candy in a Push urinal. pop. Push pop. Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah rubbing that in the urinal and then uh, giving it to him. Just absolutely horrific stuff. Um, ton of outrage uh, initially. Uh, once the incident came to light, uh, both against the player, against uh, University of North Dakota, against the Arizona Coyotes for taking him, initially they stood by the pick and then later decided to forfeit the rights to the pick. Um, so to essentially make him a free agent. Uh, and then shortly after, uh, the University of North Dakota announced that he was no longer part of their hockey team. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? It's what a situation it is. Um, First of all, from what I can gather, a third of a third of the teams in the league, so ten teams, about ten teams, about ten teams, give or take one or two, um, said as soon as they heard this incident, said. No way, we're drafting this kid, even if it's in the seventh round. Yeah, right? he, he immediately went on their do not draft list. Um, the report is that he sent out to all 31 teams uh, a letter basically confirming the allegations in the story, apologizing for what he did, and with kind of references to show that he's grown as a person. And even then, after seeing that, a lot of teams are just like, you know, okay. we, we don't buy it. We don't believe him. We're still yes. not going near him. Yes. And have you have you read the athletic article? Yeah, I've read several athletic articles on okay. it. I saw the letter uh, yeah. from Isaiah's so, mother's. So for any listener out there, before we before we get into the actual topic, I extremely like recommend list. Uh, I mean, reading that article because 
it, it really just outlines everything that went on in this situation um, extremely well. Um, and I think my point is, is if he could write a letter to all 31 teams, how can he not write a letter to the one kid he bullied? Yeah. How it just, it seems so insincere in that viewpoint. Yeah, I think a lot of people, the feeling they got is that, and including the judge that oversaw, uh, you know, his kind of sentencing was that they didn't get an entire sense of remorse uh, from Mitchell Miller. They didn't believe he regretted what he did. And I think, you know, your actions speak a lot louder than your words. And the reality is, is he sent a letter to 31 teams because that was to his benefit. But he doesn't send the apology letter, the one that really matters to, to the victim of this incident. And I think that says all you really need to know about his character at that point and how sorry he really feels. And I think he kind of thinks in this whole situation that he's the victim. It's... And and we we heard from anonymous sources, of course, that he that that basically after their interview, their pre-draft interviews with him, that he didn't show any remorse. Yeah, and it's not hard to fake remorse; it really isn't. And the fact that he didn't even like attempt that—it's shocking. It's it, absolutely shocking. Right. I think this kid has like, like, honestly, like had he, had he committed these actions, but then apologized for them, especially in public, we would be having an incredibly different conversation right now. And you see a lot of people who will say the incident occurred when he was 14 years old. You know, he's just a kid to punish him for something he did at that age, like people saying, we all do stupid things when we're 14. And that's like, yeah, yeah, we do. It's true. I've done some incredibly stupid things at 14. <laughs> you can ask anyone who knew me at 14 and they tell you the exact same thing. But I think the large majority of the population did not do things that I think you could almost consider to be a hate crime, really. And you want to know what? If you were in his position, you would have apologized to the kid. Well, thank you for saying that, Noah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I hope everyone thought that. But. Uh, I've known Justin for a few years now, and I, I know he would. Um, but ju- just the mere fact that Miller wasn't didn't show the proactiveness to go out. I'm not even to face apology. We're talking about a letter. Yeah. Like, like he didn't show any sign of uh proactiveness in terms of that like like i i don't want to play devil's advocate here but like for for all i care he could have gotten someone else to write the letter and just signed it and sent it to him and oh, i think absolutely. that that would have shown even more than what he's doing right now yeah like the thing is people like people talk about you know giving people second chances and i'm i'm a big believer in giving people second chances right i think it's a really important thing to do but second chances have to be earned. You don't just give someone a second chance because, oh, wow, people make mistakes. You have to show that genuine remorse, that genuine uh, apology that you recognize you've done something wrong 
and you're willing to make a cognizant effort uh, to work on that and better yourself and are truly empathetic towards the victims of what you've done. And the almost consensus for most people is that there hasn't been any of that. Exactly. So, of course, you know, if he had, uh, if he, if he had, I think if he had made a genuine effort to really, and really did show remorse and really felt remorseful what happened and had tried to mend fences and better himself and have a positive impact, I think we're having a much different conversation. And I think most people would say, you know, yeah, he did something incredibly terrible, but he's at least owning it and working on it. And right now, you just get the sense that he just feels sorry for himself. Yeah, he didn't even make an effort at all. No. Like, other than send that, and I'm sure it was a, just a, a regular letter that was just copied and pasted to every single lead, uh, every single team. I, I think he had a bunch of other documents in there and references and things like that. Which, I, th- sure. I think he had a reference. Yes, I, 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 I remember coaches. reading about that. But here's the other thing. The fact that it had to come down to Isaiah's mother speaking out says a lot about kind of hockey culture on culture in general. Yeah. Like, like when you see a team make a pick like that and this comes out, you basically say, okay, we're willing to, you know, be inclusive and diverse and care about people unless we can benefit our team and are on ice play. Right. It's that like, it does, your actions don't have consequences if you're good enough, basically. Exactly. That's exactly the point. And I, that's the, that's how Arizona came off really. And let's, let's remind everyone that this was Arizona's first pick in the entire draft. Yeah. It's your first pick. You've already lost your first three picks (laughs) and, and your first pick and you're going to take the probably most controversial player in the draft, at least that we know of right now. I mean, Exactly. Come out. It makes, I mean, just for Arizona, like, what are you thinking? And like, I, I get like, and people, and from what from what I've from what I've like everything. Kaika, Joel Miller out of his draft, um, just entirely. Yeah. Right, and then Chika leaves. And all of a sudden, Miller's back on the draft board. Yeah. This makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I think the thing to me is, like, with losing all those picks, like, I think if Arizona doesn't lose their second or third round or they have picks before that, I don't think that there's any chance in the world they take a shot at him. But I think they were in a position where they were like, we have to get the best value at this pick, and we don't care at all about the type of person we draft if they can play. Right? Like, you talk about this guy – I think a lot of people thought he was a second round talent. Myself personally, I believe I had him ranked in the eighties as a third rounder. Of course, having no knowledge of any of these instances, but just an absolutely baffling decision by the Arizona Coyotes to draft this kid, especially with the efforts they've made to kind of promote themselves as inclusive and diverse, um, you know, with their owner with their uh, president of hockey operations, it just blows my mind that they would make this kind of decision. I mean, it's, with that knowledge. 
It's absurd. You're talking about the the first ever. Don't quote me on this because I'm not like entirely sure about this. But we're talking about the first ever Latin owner of an NHL franchise in Marulo. Yeah, it's just a big deal for a sport like hockey. Huge deal. We're like hockey is a very very like small population in terms of like compared to football and basketball, and you're talking about predominantly older white males owning franchises and you have this Latin owner comes into the league and to make a statement in drafting Mitchell Miller, who has this history, I, I find extremely hypocritical. Uh, Yeah. I I know you're hypocritical. Um, I, I just don't. And Arizona came out and said that they had indeed prior knowledge of this whole situation that they already knew before they drafted him. It feels like from my point of view that had Arizona just had no idea about this, they would have basically come out as a, in a better light than they are. But now. The thing is, is Arizona came out and said, we had no, first of all, you send a letter to all 31 teams, every team knew, right? Exactly. But, but even, but even if you didn't know, you should have known, right? That's your job. You're, you're, you're going out and you're drafting a guy to help your franchise for the long term. You should know if there's something like this in, that, that has occurred in their life. That's your responsibility, I think, as a team. Um, and so if that were the case, I think that also just shows a lack of competence, really. Um, it's absolutely disappointing. Baffling. Disappointing. disappointing. You know? like, it's... And... There were, we said there was 10 teams that had them on their do not draft list. We don't know a lot of them. The one we do know, though, is the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> which is a unbelievably rare win for the Buffalo Sabres organization. <laughs> so major props to them for, for that. You know. Yeah, I mean. That, that's, that's a positive thing for them, I guess. And and I our our, our correspondent with Dauber Prospects, Jacob Barker, I, I know um he he had prior knowledge of this and Dauber Prospects completely took him off the list. So it's not like it was something that was completely hidden and ju- just came out because Isaiah's mother said something. This no. was like people in hockey been... circles, people that are connected knew about this story. Exactly. And said nothing. Exactly. So I think that's what makes this pick so much worse. But at the end of the day, let's just appreciate the fact that Arizona was cognizant enough to renounce the pick. Which I I know a lot of people are going, well, of course they renounced the pick. They had to renounce the pick, right? After all the backlash they faced. And it's like, okay, yes, right? Like, they absolutely like the right decision. And of course, you know, they, they didn't really have a choice, but like, I guess it's better late than never. Like it's still, it's not a huge, you know, point in their favor, but it is something. It's, it's something. Right. And, it, and, and the they, they didn't have to do it too. No, they didn't have to do it. This is a precious pick for them. What objectively looking at this, um, a fourth round pick shouldn't be that valuable right? No. Like, fourth round. Like, 
the fourth round is kind of like third round is the end of like really like caring. And then fourth round is kind of the start where you're kind of making like long shots, right? You're, you're taking guys. Yeah. You're taking guys. You're, that you're taking shots at guys who high risk, high reward type of guys. Yeah. But let's remember, this is basically Arizona's first pick in the draft. Yeah, they needed to make that pick count. They need to make this pick count because he's the highest prospect they're going to get in this year's draft. And they blow, and it. They blow it. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I'm really curious. I mean, I, I wonder who John Chaika would have drafted at this position. No clue. No clue. Certainly not Mitchell Miller. No, absolutely not, which I think would have been much better. But either way, it'll be very curious to see, you know, now that he's been obviously removed from the UND team. Um, and and let's, for the record, let's reiterate the fact that UND came out and said they were aware of the incidents before they accepted him. Yeah. Let's Let's remind ourselves that there is a major problem in hockey culture given the fact that everyone is accepting this guy knowing of the incidents that have yeah. have already occurred like, you think of all the people like the organizations and stuff that have no like knew about this incident right like okay, like there's a lot of organizations with blood on their hands from this whole situation like the arizona coyotes they knew about it and they picked him the university of north dakota for uh giving him a scholarship and bringing him onto their team you look at the team he played for in the ushl the team who traded for him in the ushl the Sarnia Sting, who drafted his rights in the OHL. There is a lot of teams that very clearly knew about this incident and didn't care, regardless of how it benefited them or didn't benefit them. Um, and I think, yeah, it is just one of those things where it's when people talk about hockey culture and how toxic it can be, and we both have, you know, firsthand experience playing the game, experiencing this. Um, it is so clear when you see something like this that there is such an issue still in this sport. And it's, so, I mean, it's so it, like at the end of the day, like good, yeah, good on good on them for announcing the pick, and good on UND for you know removing a scholarship. But you know they already made their statement when they drafted them, right? that's exactly right and, and that's and, that's all you need to and know. they they were honest about it they said they knew about the phenomenon they knew about the actions this kid took and they still drafted him yeah and like i cannot state like stress how horrifying the details of that story are right it, it uh, honestly i urge our listeners to take a peek at the athletic article Right. Um, it's it's mind-boggling what actually happened. Yeah, that, like that this kid could still believe that he had a shot at the NHL after this. It's just baffling, and like like to me, like when I was like I'm reading the story, and I'm like, I couldn't even imagine if I was in the position of the the mother Joni in that situation, like to watch something like that happen to your kid and the person who did it go on. To, to have an NHL career to get drafted by a team like that would be utterly devastating. I I, I furious. I applaud her for coming out and saying something. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because if it weren't for her, this whole situation would be entirely different, most likely. Yeah, entirely different. So, honestly, huge props to her. It 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 takes a lot to take a stand, and um, she she was willing to do that. So, thank you. Right? Yeah. Like. Yeah, absolutely incredible strength, and I I am curious to see. Do you believe that he will end up playing hockey somewhere? He will be on the same team as Brandon Leipzig. That that's that's where I I categorize. So him. KHL. That's his. That's his like top. Like that's that's the most he can do because let's face it, the KHL probably doesn't care about this incident. No. And I know, and I wouldn't close the door on him, you know, playing in North America. But there's some serious work. I, th- to I do. think I would, in terms of AHL and up. I I could see him in the ECHL. I think it would take him a lot to get to penetrate into the AHL market. I think it would take a lot of time, a lot of growth, in order for him to do. I think it's still possible. I think if he really, and I and I don't, I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying if he really did show actual remorse and took the time and over time built back, you know, his, his reputation and showed, you know, that he can change the person. I wouldn't close the door to it, but I think that is, we're a long way away from that. And I don't even know if we'll get there. I really don't. 100%. And I think the first step for him is really, he has to apologize. That's gotta be step one. The I fact can- that it came out, to the public and we literally heard nothing from his camp like when i say nothing i mean absolutely nothing i have seen uh i've seen some tweets on twitter from his sister which are just brutal really yeah and that is all i've seen um i'll send them to you after this i I don't want to go into it on here right now but it's it's not great stuff, and I think uh, at this point, yeah, I, I would write off a career in North America for sure, but it's not. Yeah. A- you never want to rule it out entirely, but just given the fact that we're not we're not in a position to say, like, this guy's not going to play and actually have power over it, um, you like to think that it's not going to happen. No. No, the only the only way it happens if like because let's say a team signs him or whatever, the 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 backlash would be huge, and the only way you can defend it is you can say, well, here is some like concrete evidence of growth. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, here are the facts. Here here's here's a letter uh, addressed from him apologizing to Isaiah. Here's like the various training programs he's been enrolled in. This and that. But that's the only way, and I I don't I don't know for, if I see it from what it sounds like. I don't think I don't know if he's willing to do that. No. No, we. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But it is just an awful, awful story all around. Like one of those like stories that just makes your heart sink. And it's know, I mean more than sink. Just it is. Like, it just it just feels crappy, right? Right. Like that's like, like so awful could happen, and that the sport you love just. Of people in that world ex- ex- accepted it is just really disheartening. Um, exactly. Overall, 
Um, yeah, we'll just have to see where it goes. Um, but on that, you know, kind of down note, we'll take a quick break here. Um, we have a quick promo here from Tip of the Iceberg, the uh, Hockey Podcast Network podcast about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, great podcast. You some great stuff. So we'll roll that promo for you. And then when we come back, we will talking about we'll be talking about the uh, OHL uh, and some of the decisions coming up for them with regards to next season. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk. We've got you covered. A team in the playoffs or in the play-in round won the first overall pick, and I wanted to throw my phone clear across this plane. (laughs) Nope, nope, it, he else? will. Yeah, see, there's he your hot will. take, got it. Where That's is? my hot take. He will be a Hockey Hall of Famer, if not possibly first ballot Hall of Famer. That was just awful officiating. And who who was this this scrub that was officiating? Let me let me look it up real quick. Mark Rashi, <laughs> something like that? Oh, oh, Recky. I just I just wanted to see him booming it from blue line to blue line, being the lines. That's all I wanted to see. Very few general managers have those type of players, let alone three players that you can easily say, if I don't trade them, my team will be better. So all I have to do is not make a move. And I get that's a foreign concept for Jim Rutherford, but you just don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. You don't do that. (laughs) New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Pens. All right, and welcome back. Uh, great promo there uh, from the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Uh, back in it now, No, we're talking about the OHL uh, reports coming out. Um, you know, kind of unclear, some people refuting it, some people not. Um, but from the sounds of it, it is looking like the OHL, when they resume play, will be resuming play with no body checking. And... I know you have some very strong opinions on this uh, decision or idea, so I'm excited to hear them. I mean, all right, all right. Let's what is begin- the OHL doing? <laughs> Let's begin this conversation by categorically stating, I am fully against this decision. I think this I is think- the stupidest thing ever. I am actually going to have to agree with that statement. I, also, <laughs> I like... It just like it sounds I, like it sounds okay, like a so, not it sounds like a not real thing that would just be suggested. So, like So here's the thing. I am okay with removing body checking if you're also um adding twenty feet of space to each bench, removing all face offs, and just having it be a constant shootout instead of a game. I think that makes sense. Let's just make it soccer. Let's just make it soccer. Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, like at that point, like, ah, why not? Here's the thing. By eliminating body checking, you are increasing the time of one-on-one battles against the boards. Yeah. And to this day, I have yet to actually hear 
about anything, and I think this would be the way to go if Lisa McLeod, who's the um, Ontario Health Minister or whatever, Ontario's Heritage Sport Tourism Culture Minister. I did not know that by heart. I just read that off her Twitter is, bio. Yeah, it is quite a quite a title. Quite a title, Nova Scotia born. Um, right on. Love Nova Scotia. <laughs> She's also a proud Canadian. This is all according to her uh, Twitter bio. Um, this is not the way to go. Okay. Like I cannot, I have not heard anything about instead of removing body checking, let's have every player wear a, a fishbowl. Oh, I don't like that either though. I hate fishbowls, but you want to know what? I'd rather see a league play entirely in fishbowls and still have body checking than no body checking and full visors. I think this is the stupidest thing ever. I think that there's no scientific backing to it and that she claims there is scientific backing, but there really isn't. Yeah. And if there is, if there is somebody, please send it to me because I will refute it with every single like juice in my bone right now. Yeah, see, here's the thing for me. Okay, so you're playing hockey, right? Yeah. Let's say I'm battling on the boards with someone because, you know, I'm a workhorse out there, hypothetically. Right, so I'm just grinding. But uh, this isn't a hypothetical. You actually are a workhorse. It's really hard to be a workhorse in the corners when you're stapled to the bench. That's a fact. But <laughs> let's say, hypothetically, I'm working the corners, right? I'm battling with someone, right? I can't check them, so we're battling away. We're maybe down there for, you know, 10 to 20 seconds, depending on, you know, and th- that's a long up. puck battle. That's 20 seconds puck. is a really long puck battle. Yeah, I, let's, yeah, but, you know, I'm a workhorse, so I'm in the corners, right? Cool. We're grinding away. We're battling on the boards. We're, like, maybe inches away for about five to ten seconds, breathing on each other, just grinding away. Okay, that's clearly an issue. But a check, if I go and, like, yoss a shoulder into someone, that is maybe a millisecond that I'm in contact Exactly, with and the person or, just goes on and falls to the ground immediately. Oh, there's through the glass, through the boards, <laughs> into the other team's bench. Monster hit. So, I, this, I just, I don't get it. It makes no sense. So, and I know a lot of people on Twitter are saying that this is a political decision that is motivated by reducing concussions at the OHL level. And you want to know what? If Lisa McLeod came out and said, listen, Body checking is too much of a health hazard, not because of COVID, but because of concussions. I could respect that. No, I can't. I still think it's dumb. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. Yeah. Of course it's dumb, but like, I can at least agree that there is some sort of like justification in the realm of logic. However, saying that this is because of COVID ridiculous come on come on it just it can't be like and here's the thing for me too like ohl okay right you got a lot of guys that are you know a lot of guys there aren't going anywhere whatever right but there's a lot of guys there that are you know going to be drafted to the nhl right they're going to be nhl players the nhl is a league that allows hitting right i think it's also a very important part of the evaluation process to see a guy like when you play hockey with him without checking it's a very different game Right. Yes. And there yeah, are lot, and it 100% there, is. And there are a lot of guys who they, their game is based upon, you know, 
being physical, even if it's not, you know, it's not like the old days where it's, you got guys that are just like fighters, but if you're a, a guy who's a power forward, let's say, right. A guy like Tom Wilson, but maybe you're, you're a bit cleaner, a lot cleaner, right. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you know, head hunting out there, but you're, you're a guy who plays physical. I think like, okay. Like, yeah. Let's say you're a guy like Tom Wilson, right. You're in the OHL. It's your draft year. There's no hitting. All of a sudden, you can't play your game. You're not as effective out there. And you go from a guy who's maybe a second or third round pick, now you're a seventh round pick, or you're not drafted at all. Like, it can affect people's livelihoods. It, it, it 100% can. So it here's the question. Here's the question. If I were to give you the option prior to the season, if you wanted a 6'2 guy or a 5'10 guy, both guys had the same talent, I'd go with the 6'2 guy just because he has a bigger physical impact. Yeah, and, and the thing for me too is like, okay, let's see a smaller player, right? But but yeah, now this conversation is reignited because, well, wait. If there's no body checking, why would I take the bigger guy? Yeah. He's not going to really be able to have much of an impact just because there's no body checking. Yeah, and you're talking about like guys – the, the whole purpose of a league like the OHL is to either, you know, allow kids to play the game, grow the game, go to university, whatever. The other part of it is you have players there who, yeah, are going to take that next step and play pro, right? It's a league use as evaluation tool, you know, for NHL teams, for teams in Europe, right, for things like that. And if I'm evaluating a guy, especially a guy who's a bit smaller, right, I think a big part of my evaluation would be I want to see how this guy can handle contact. Exactly. Right? Uh, if, I, if I'm going to draft a guy who's under 5'10", and I'm totally fine doing that, but I would like to know that he knows how to play with contact, that he knows how to avoid a hit, that he knows how to use his body to get in and out of tight spaces. That's a big part of it, right, of being that size. And the guys that succeed that are small, they all do that, right? That's part exactly. of why they're in the NHL. Guys like Kyler Yamamoto, guys like Marty St. Louis back in the day, that's what they're really good at. Right, that's what allows them to be small so, and be. In the I mean, he, he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's let's use an actual in-game situation. I'm five eight, right? Okay. On a good day, five I seven, was, five seven on an average day. If I, I will, know there, I will say though, we we we're at the U.S. National Development Program in, in the states. We have a picture of you and Cole Caulfield, and you. Were <laughs> I'll give you that. Like not by much, but you were taller. I I was definitely taller. I can I I'd be happy to share. Yeah, that, yeah, we that got the receipts to prove it. Um, he, here's the thing, I'm five seven. All right, if there's no contact, I am cutting into center ice nine times out of ten if I'm entering the zone. Absolutely. Why wouldn't right? you? Right. If there is body checking, no way, no way. Am I cutting in because I know the second defender isn't going to come head hunting for me? Yeah. I, I know that's going to happen. So I'd say maybe two times out of 10, I'd actually cut in the, the center ice. Removing body checking completely changes the game for, yeah. especially for smaller players. Yeah. Like I remember like growing up, like maybe when I was like 15 or 16, I'm playing house league hockey. Right. So it's a bunch of guys like me who suck. And a bunch of guys who had like a million concussions and can't play with contact anymore, right? 
that are really good. And so you're out there playing, and there are guys that are like five six that are unreal, and they're just dancing around the zone, and you can't hit them. So they're just disgusting. And eventually, I'm just like, ah, oh, screw it, and you hit them with a cross check. And then you get suspended. Yeah. Yeah, you get suspended. Whatever. Right. <laughs> so stuff like that, right? Where it's like it, it very drastically changes how the game's played. And when you're a league where a lot of a lot of players rely on that to show what they can do. And a lot of teams rely on that to see what they can do to change the game like that. I think it's just ridiculous, but honestly, I, I don't, I don't see it actually happening. Yes. I and really and I, I need to bring this up because this is a tweet from your former uh, boss and I guess kind of still boss, just gray area, Megan Chica. Um, She, she replies to Darren Jarger's tweet and says, not only that, but why aren't the WHL and the QMJHL doing this? Oh, I know the answer to that, actually. What is that? They're better leagues. Oh, you don't say. So Not in let, terms let, of talent, just in terms of I love the so dub. The, the, the Sportsnet article that came out a few days ago now um, highlighted the fact that the QMJHL allowed contact. And, and is playing. And is playing, but has um, experienced a number of outbreaks. Right, and if you, if if you want to prove that body checking is the source of this, you can. There's yeah. a correlation. No, I. But you yeah. got to remember. You got to remember. Correlation does not equal causation. Okay, honestly, I just I was literally about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> That's crazy. But uh, you're absolutely right. Like it's, it makes no sense to me, right? Like, so so here here's the thing with the QMJHL, okay? We know they started playing. They they had a good season underway. Uh, for the record, Mar- uh, for the record, Maritimes teams are still playing. I know Bathurst played the Screaming Eagles. Uh, I think last night and won seven six in overtime. Awesome, um, just awesome hockey, right? Um, Love to see it. Here's the thing. Yes, there was an outbreak. The first one was was with uh, the Armada near Montreal in Blainville. Very big outbreak. <laughs> 16 players out of 20, I think. So, not great. <laughs> There's no way you can tell me that was because of body checking. And had there not been body checking, that wouldn't have happened. No. I don't believe that in the slightest. And if there is scientific evidence for it, please, please send it to me. Send it send it our way. It doesn't because, exist, but it, yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you got to remember the fact that I don't think the Blaineville outbreak had anything to do with any hockey stuff. It had to do with the fact that the entire population of the entire province of Quebec was in an outbreak. Yeah, you guys are crazy. Nuts. Yeah. The Quebec law? Oh my goodness. Yeah, screw them. Terrible. Okay. The All worst. Right. <laughs> yeah well that's the thing like you talk about the qmjhl and the whl like i think it's like the q is just like they're fret like you know they're just like ah no rules and then, w- <laughs> and then the whl is just like oh all these farm kids are tough tougher than the virus <laughs> and then ontario is like no hitting and and for the record um the qmjhl did have severe severe um cutbacks on fighting during the season i think uh i think the consensus um 
where the agreement was that a five-minute major that was for fighting before now becomes a 15-minute major. So... You're sitting out an entire period at that point. I'd probably be sitting out either way, but... <laughs> no on me, but... So, it, it really, like, they're eliminating fighting. The OHL, the WHL are not doing any of that. Yeah. To my, to my knowledge, it's still a five-minute major to fight in the OHL and WHL. What, why, is, why isn't Lisa McLeod saying this stuff? Yeah, why I isn't she I... saying, let's cut back on fighting? Why, why is it body checking? It doesn't make any sense to me. There is no logic to this justification. No, I, I think if you if you wanted to like eliminate the spread of COVID, I think your best course would say you can't fight and no scrums after the whistle. And that would probably be the best course of action to well, eliminate. You can't, you can't eliminate scrums after the whistle. That's no, impossible. But, because no. it, I, I know your style of play is if, if you're screening the net and there's a shot coming and the goalie gets it, you're definitely giving a, a nice whack, not a penalty whack, but a just nice like whack saying, hey, listen, I'm here. I'd get the rebound if he didn't have it. Okay, well, so how can you el- eliminate that scrum? No, the I think like, way- obviously a scrum is going to incur, but I think if you have like refs come up, like, okay, so let's say I'm in front, obviously, you know, I tip a shot, whatever goalie saves it somehow, right? I turn around, give him a whack, right? I, guy comes in, cross checks me, whistle goes. Refs come over and they basically say, get out or you're, you're ejected or whatever. It's a 15 minute, right? I'd get out of there pretty quickly, to be honest. Exactly. But how close does the ref have to be to you to make that call? Yeah. So it's basically that like you're trying to eliminate the time of the scrum. So basically the time, I'm, the time I'm allowed to be in there is from the time the whistle blows till the ref gets there. And if the ref gets there and I'm still there, I'm out. Yeah. Right, because obviously, yeah, you're not going to eliminate a scrum. Scrum's going to happen, especially with you know with guys like me out there, who are just like walking that fine line. <laughs> Most, you know, sometimes crossing it. Who knows? But, um, so like obviously it's going to happen. But any step you can take to minimize that, to eliminate fighting, I think it's way better than no body checking. There. So so here's the thing. You're saying no body checking because of COVID and the close proximity. How are you handling face-offs? Yeah. Are you making the distance between players bigger? Like, th- there's a whole string of rule modifications that come with it. Absolutely. And fr- from what we've heard, there's nothing else going on. And for me, the, the big thing is, why aren't you having players with fishbowls in the first place? Yeah. I think when you talk about, like, the logical steps, logical concrete steps that would minimize the risk of COVID, all the different times of close proximity between players, all the different things you could do to make it safer for the players. I think hitting has to be at the bottom of the list of things that would be actually effective. Like realistically, like, yeah, give them a fishbowl, eliminate cert, like, you know, try to minimize the close contact in other areas. But like, yeah, you're way more likely to get, uh, you know, to catch something from a face-off, from a board battle, from a scrum, from a fight. And, and here's the other thing. a millisecond of me where someone just laying into him. And w- we've been on the bench together. Benches aren't big. Quite often, all the time. <laughs> Benches aren't big. 
players are very close to each other on edges, and it would cost a shit to ex- extend the the actual size of benches. Oh, so yeah. how are you how are you minimizing that risk of players on the bench sitting so close to each other and talking to each other, or at least coughing or spitting or all this stuff? Yeah, you, you can't. And it just seems that if you're gonna have that risk anyways, what does body checking mitigate exactly? Yeah, it it, it does nothing. It just makes the game way more um harder to evaluate it makes it not at all safer from a a a covid standpoint from a concussion standpoint sure but that's not that's not what's being talked about here um so to me it just it makes absolutely no sense and i think that is pretty much the general consensus amongst everyone but lisa mcleod exactly i the, the, the fact, the, the thing that bothers me the most in this whole situation is the lack of scientific proof. Yeah. Like, I'm sure she's citing some sort of doctor, but there's nothing associated to it. No. And the, the fact that this is a government decision and not a league decision, I think carries a lot of weight to it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's like what we've seen really with like, everything that's gone on the last few months is that like leagues are pretty much at the mercy of their governments when it comes to stuff like this. Right. And if the Ontario government says you're not playing with body checking, well, I guess you're not like, it sucks, but like, there is not much you can do. And and that's too bad for the OHL because they they have no choice. And so do you imagine, let's say it, it does go through, there is no body checking. Do you, imagine we'll be seeing a lot of players go other routes for their development. I think USHL is going to pick up a lot of momentum. Do you think we'll maybe even see some in Europe? I wouldn't be surprised. Because we, we, we're seeing all these, like, kind of a – I'm thinking of Akil Thomas, who's OHL plus one in terms of age. He's playing in the German League. Um, what What's preventing a guy – that's 17 from going to play overseas in England where the caliber of play is not great, but he'd still be able to get way better experience playing against actual men than the OHL where he's not even allowed to hit someone. Yeah. And like we've seen, we've seen right now, like there are quite a few prospects right now playing over in Europe that you typically wouldn't see over in Europe. Like uh, just a couple of kind of like Raphael Lavoie's over there right now. Yep. Guys yeah. like that, they, there's no uh, shot. Joe, that, Joe Valeno. Joe, Joe Valeno is over there. there. He, Olivier Rodriguez. the other day. So you have a lot of guys that are over there right now just because, well, it's it's just a way for them to play hockey, right? Well, they wait for NHL camps to come back. Exactly. When NHL camps do come back, there's a lot of guys that are going to be coming back to North America to play in the NHL or the AHL, guys like Akil Thomas. And now all these, uh, you know, so then if the OHL is coming back just after the NHL, so if I'm an OHL prospect, I'm thinking, well, a spot just opened up in the Osvenskin. You know, maybe I could go over there, right? Like, and he gets paid. He gets, and he'd get paid. He gets paid. He has a great time. It is Sweden. It is gorgeous, right? He could do a lot worse. I mean, if you're telling me, like, if my options are to play in, like, uh, Sweden versus, like, I don't know. I'm just going to pick a random town. North Bay, <laughs> for example. Like, I think I'm choosing Sweden. 
No, and no offense to North Bay. It's going to be really interesting North to Bay see what what actual NHL teams who have drafted prospects in the OHL decide to do. For example, the Los Angeles Kings just drafted Quentin Byfield at number two. Absolutely. I don't. I don't think they want him to have a full season of no contact hockey. Yeah, a guy who's built like that, you want to see him play the closest he can to NHL hockey, right? You want him to develop. He's not going to develop yet if he has no competition. No, and I imagine a guy like Quinton Byfield, who's like as big, as strong as he is, in a no contact league, he'd just be overpowered. Exactly. My goodness, it'd be like. It's... It would be um, and for the record, this this decision is not official at all. I think no. Darren Dreger came in clutch with that on Twitter. Um, and we saw today Rob Ford, or not Rob, uh, Doug Ford. Yes, yes, Doug uh, Ford. Ontario Premier said he wanted to see them with checking, so it doesn't appear like anything's finalized. Um, it really sounds. It really sounds like Lisa McLeod has her own idea of what's going on, and she's sticking by her guns. Yeah, so it's just, you know, in, enlighten us. Exactly. Have you, know, you, you got the science to prove it? Show us. Show it. Please do, because, because right I, now, can almost, I, I, I can almost guarantee there has been no science behind this. Yeah, because right now. Because when, when would a researcher, a scientist, have time to conduct actual research on the transmission of COVID in hockey in body checking versus non-body checking. Yeah. There's no way. No way. It hasn't been researched before 2020 just because there hasn't been the need for it. And I doubt it's happened thus far because there hasn't been the population to do it, to conduct the research on. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the whole thing. Um, but I imagine, like, pr- like pretty soon we'll, we'll kind of f- have an idea Maybe even by next week's episode. Um, I I think I think this whole backlash around it has. I, I there's no way they don't do body checking. Yeah, I think that maybe one of those instances, like you know, when you have like, like say you're in a position where like you have an idea of something you want to do, but you don't want to you you want to kind of gauge the reaction of people, so you kind of just float the rumor out to see what people are feeling, and everyone's like, no, that's a terrible idea. So you're like, okay, so we're not doing that, right? Like. Maybe but that's what they were there's trying to a, do. There's a difference in floating the rumor and giving it to a reporter and actually tweeting about it from your personal account. That is true. Which is what really bothers me from McLeod's standpoint. The, the fact that she's... Like, I don't mind this decision as long as you have proof. And really, I think that's what everyone is asking for is proof. Yeah. And... They're just the fact that there hasn't been proof thus far really kind of makes you think they're just it doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the the general feeling is that that this is just something that doesn't make any sense from a, a safety or practicality standpoint. Um, so we'll, we'll again, yeah, we'll just we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out over the next you know couple of weeks or so. We'll obviously be keeping a close eye on it um, for sure. Bring it up if anything happens. Um, but I mean, that, that kind of does it for this episode of the podcast. I think it's all we got to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think, yeah, we checked everything off the list. Um, we will be back at it next week with a brand new episode, uh, talking about 
who knows what. Um, we'll see what comes hockey. up. Hockey. We'll talk about hockey. Oh, we didn't do our uh, NFL picks for the week. Yeah, just no time this week. No time. No too time. Busy with too, too much, much hockey. hockey content. I know it sucks. We had to talk about hockey on this hockey podcast. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually gonna put in my my bet right after this podcast. Um, I, I'm not even sure who I'm uh, who I'm going for, but it's gonna it's gonna be interesting for this weekend. It's gonna be. See, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week, brand new episode. Who knows what we'll be talking about? Um, but thank you to everyone tuning in. And we will see you guys then. Back on top.